So today is Resurrection Sunday that we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so right out of the gate, let me tell you, if you know, we've got different people in this room, different types of people, and that's good. We've got people who have given themselves over to the Lord and are truly following Him. And then we have some people that aren't quite sure, they're still checking it out. And then we might even have people in the room that are like, you just came with your spouse or something. You're like, if I, if I just go to church, will you just shut up and stop bothering me, okay? And maybe this is your Easter present to them, and that's fine. It really is. I'm not trying to make anyone feel weird. Glad you're here. But we're all searching for something. We all have that thing in common, okay? I don't care who you are. I don't care the color of your skin. I don't care how much money you make. I don't care your past, present, or future, everybody has this in common. You are searching for something deeper than what's right in front of you, right? Everybody. Why is that? Because the, the Bible says that the Lord has written eternity into every man's heart, okay? Now, that's not just some, uh, some, some weird-sounding poem. I mean, think about that, that there is eternity in your heart. This is why you can watch uh, successful person after successful person after successful person achieves statuses greater than all of us in this room. You can watch people make more money than all of us will make combined. You can watch people do things that we'll never do, and they still completely hate their lives, right? And I've just described the majority of the world, right? That people are, they're, they're getting all these things and they're chasing after satisfaction, and so many people and I think most of y'all in here are old enough to realize that. So many people, they're chasing after these things, and even when they get them, they just hate their lives. Y'all know what I mean when I say that? There's this emptiness. And so we, I don't care where you're coming from or where you are, we all have that same need of we're searching for something that satisfies and fulfills, okay? And so today in church, what we do is we celebrate the one thing that does satisfy and fulfill. So welcome to Resurrection Sunday. I'm going to let you know right out of the gate, I have no tricks. I have, I have no special things. We, we don't have any uh, movie clips. I don't have any great illustrations, you know. I didn't, we don't have any monkeys or elephants or something like that to distract. Like I mean, I have nothing. Are you all following me on this? I have nothing other than Jesus Christ, Him crucified and resurrected. And guys, I believe that's enough. Okay, I believe that's enough. Um, I don't ever want to pick on other churches, but it's interesting to watch. I'm an old man now, so I'm on Facebook. I don't Insta or, or Snap or anything like that. But it was interesting to watch all the churches, not all of them, I shouldn't say it, but so many churches this week, they were at, I even don't even like to use that word, advertising their Easter service, and it was a picture of their sanctuary with all these cool lights. Did y'all see this this week too? And it's like all this cool, and it's like, come watch us celebrate. And I'm just like, what are we doing? Like, who cares? Like, who cares? Like, that, that we go and we are entertained for an hour, and we say, yay, and then we leave, and our hearts are just as empty as when we came. Who cares about that if we're just entertaining people and massaging their egos and patting them on the bottom and saying wasn't that fun we'll do it again um, at Christmas time or next year yeah like who cares like statistically the most attended uh, Sunday is can you guess Easter statistically you want to know how much people don't care statistically I'm not making this up 
Do you know what, what the least attended Sunday is? Not making this up. It's in seven days. This isn't a joke. This is just fact. So do you want to know how much people do not care about the smoke and the mirrors and the lights and the show? and the... Why? Because it doesn't satisfy, right? And even that should show you, that, like that stat should show you people are searching for something. Even people that want nothing to do with religion or Jesus, even they'll, they'll step into a church on Easter Sunday and say, let me, let me just at least check it out. Let me see what's going on. And so if that's you today, man, I applaud you. Like, and, and that's why I prayed at the beginning, man, my prayer is I hope that your heart is at least open to say, hey, Jesus, what do you got for me today? Okay, can you all at least do that for me? Well, not for me. Can you at least do that for yourself? That's what I should say, right? And so again, man, I got nothing. We're going to open up God's Word and preach Jesus Christ, Him crucified, and that's it because that will satisfy. Nothing else will. I promise you. Um, John chapter 20. So this is after Jesus has been taken into the city. Last week we celebrated the triumphal entry, which really is a, a Sunday of disappointment. People get this wrong a lot. People were not celebrating what Jesus was doing for them. They were celebrating what they wanted Jesus to do for them. They thought that Jesus was going to overthrow the Roman government, and so they were pumped and excited, and he doesn't do that. He turns and heads into the temple rather than heading down to take out Herod, right? And so you want to talk about disappointed people that they go from, yes, screaming Hosanna, and if you're wondering, how do you know they were disappointed? Because a few days later, the same group that was screaming, save us now, they are now screaming, crucify him. So do you think they were disappointed? Yeah, right? And so Palm Sunday is very misunderstood. It was, a, it was a day of great disappointment because Jesus did not live up to their expectations. Anyone can testify to that? You don't have to raise your hand. I know your hand's up, right? That there was great disappointment because Jesus didn't do what they planned for him to do, right? And so, by the way, I'll just say this and then move on. When you have plans that you're praying for the Lord, you know there's only two answers that God gives to prayer. You know that, right? Number one is He says yes. Number two, He says, I have something better. Those are the only two answers that God gives to prayer. He either says yes, or He says, I've got something better for you. And when He answers your prayer with, I have something better, do you think there's disappointment at first? If you're an honest person, yeah, there is. Yeah, am I disappointed with the way God does things all the time. I will not stand up here and say that, yes, I love every step that the Lord takes me through, right? The path is difficult sometimes. And so now this Sunday, Jesus, on Friday, Jesus is crucified. He literally dies. This isn't in, this isn't in an allegory. He, he literally is killed, okay? He literally is dead, like he's dead, dead. Like literally, for real, dead. So I want you to picture, um, picture this lifeless body in this tomb. We don't, ever, we don't ever do this. I want you to pause for a minute. Close your eyes. I'm not going to do anything weird. Close your eyes, and I want you to picture inside that tomb this lifeless body. Not breathing. No heartbeat. No neurons firing in the brain. I mean, literally dead. 
not for five minutes, for days. Let me, do you have this picture, this, I mean, just completely lifeless body? If you were sitting in there in the tomb, it would be dead silence. No, no pun intended. It would just be absolute silence. This completely dead body, and you're staring at it. And then literally, again, I'm not making this up. There was a moment, somehow, there was this moment where his heart that has not beat for three days, that his heart, out of nowhere, decides it's time to work again. And there is a moment where his heart goes, bump, bump. And his heart literally starts feeding blood to his body. And, and his diaphragm starts pushing to where air literally fills his lungs again. And his heart and lungs are working to saturate his, his uh, blood with oxygen. And, and his body literally starts to come alive again. And you're, you imagine you're sitting there in this and you're watching this and, and then the brain starts firing off and there's this moment where he literally opens his eyes again and he has defeated death and come back from the grave. Are you all with me on that? Do you think this is important? Yeah. Okay, so let's start in John chapter 20. Uh, verse 1, it says, Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, so that's the apostle John, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. You got to love that, that. Here's John talking about, he's talking about himself. He says, Peter and I were running, but I got there first. Like, what a guy thing to say. Like, let me just throw that in. I outran him. Like, um, where, both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. And so pause there real quick, those strips of linen, you know, when they would, when they would bury a body, they would wrap it up in linens and, and they'd cover the head. And, and how cool is that, by the way, that, that Jesus, there was a time when he says, hey, I'm going to need this. Just let me, can I borrow this stuff for a few days, which is, would have been weird anyways. And there's, there's this moment where he, he literally li- rises from the dead and he says, I will no longer need this ever. Okay. Cause he says, I've done it. It's done and gone. And so he, he even says, I'm just going to leave these things here. The next guy can use them, right? And so he says, verse 6, Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, again, that's John, who had reached the tomb first went also went inside and, and pause right there, okay? So I think I'm going to be kind of short today, and that's okay. I want to talk to you real quick. I already said that we all have eternity in our hearts, and everybody is searching for something, but I'll follow it up with this question. Is 
the gospel of Jesus Christ for everyone? Let me ask. Is the gospel of Jesus for everyone? And I would, I would state the people who are ready to... You remember how we prayed? The people who are ready to receive the Lord. Look at my hands. What's in them? Have nothing else. Right? And so what Jesus said was He said, Come to Me all who are... What are the words? Weak and weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And so let me say this, the gospel call, this, this message of salvation, it goes out to those who are like this. Do you see my hands that say, God, I have nothing else, right? I have nothing else. So watch, if I'm praying to the Lord and I got one hand like this, and let's say I'm holding on to my plans, look at me, a- am I going to be able to receive this message? No, because what am I doing? I've, I've got, especially close to my heart, what is this right here? This is my plans. And so this is me saying, hey, hey, Jesus, I'm available as long as you can fit within what I've got left. The illustration I use a lot is sometimes we treat the Lord and His plans, we treat them like a salad bar. You know, we start at this end and we pile stuff on, right? Or does anyone remember Genghis Grill, Mongolian stir fry? Yeah, where you, you would get one bowl. You guys remember how this was? Yeah, the men in the room were like, yes, I do remember. <laughs> yes, I, that was a dark day when that place closed down. Because we would go there, and they'd give you a bowl. And I remember they were like, fit as much in it as you want. And I was like, as much? And I was like, dude, I was raised on Legos. I can fit a lot. And, and so I, and Kinsey would just kind of put stuff in her bowl. And it wouldn't even reach the top of the bowl. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, woman, what are you doing? And I would put stuff in hers. But mine and all the guys in the room, my bowl at Genghis Grill would be a meticulously um, uh, architecturally designed, beautiful kind of dome shape that, would, that was, could withstand the walk from the, from, uh, it only had to make it as far as the grill. So I had to carry it about 10 feet. You know what I mean? And I'd pile stuff up on. And, and point being, a lot of times we treat Jesus like he is the last item on that salad bar, the last item. And guys, here's the thing. If I get to him and I've got my plans, I can always fit something extra in. Are you all with me? I, I can find space to kind of cram him in. And the Lord says, man, that's, your hands aren't open. Your hands aren't willing. That's, that's why this means nothing to you. That's why the call of Jesus means so little to so many because people are thinking, I've got my plans. Like, I hear this Jesus thing, that's great, we sing our little songs, but secretly, deep down, I've got my plan B. I want to do this, I want to have my wife look like this, I want to have this many kids, I want to have this job, I'm going to make this much money, and and as long as Jesus fits in with that plan, I'll I'll add him to the top of my salad, salad bar plate, and we'll go along and be real happy, Right? And so, and I think sometimes we think that I've got one of the prerequisites of belief is we think once I understand everything the Lord is doing, then I will trust Him. Did you hear that statement? And when I say we, man, I mean me. Once I understand every step of the way, then I will trust Him. Which, by the way, by its very definition, is that trust? Uh uh, it's not. And so if you're like me, we struggle with that reality of we think I have to understand everything and then I will put belief in 
Jesus. Look at the very next verse here. This is, I've never noticed this until this week. This is crazy. Verse, it, uh, verse 8, it says, Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. Look what it says right here. He saw and he believed. Do you all see that? <clears throat> Look at verse 9. They still did not, what? Understand the Scriptures that Jesus had that said Jesus had to rise from the dead. Did you read those two verses back to back? So please, look, maybe this is all you need to hear today. It says they saw and they what? Believed and at the same time they didn't understand. I hope that brings comfort to some of your hearts. Right? Please don't miss. This is John and Peter. These aren't even like the second-rate apostles. It's not like this is like Nathan or something that's barely mentioned. This is John and Peter. I mean, they literally saw Jesus rise people from the dead. They saw Jesus walk on water. They, John and Peter with James, they were one of the three that got to go up on the mountain. They saw Jesus at the transfiguration where His glory was shown, where He was standing there with Elijah and Moses. Y'all get this picture, right? Like this is John and Peter. And it says these two things happened at the exact same time. Please hear this. They believed and they did not understand. Oh, thank you God <laughs> that I'm not the only one. Anyone else find relief in that, right? Because our world, our flesh tells me in order to believe, I must first understand. Anyone else struggle with that? God, I don't understand what you're doing. I don't see every step along the way. Therefore, I'm struggling. And we think that these two must be the same thing. And when you actually study your Bible and actually when we're honest with other Christians, you will find that we can have incredible belief in faith, yet at the same time still say, I do not understand what's going on here. Right? And that's the way that the Lord worked. So flip over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So I want to walk you through the thing that I don't completely understand, but I choose to believe. Remember, belief is a choice. It's not a feeling. So look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Look at verse 21. There's a lot of words here, but look at this. Verse 21 of chapter 5. It says, God made Him who had no sin to be sin. Do you see those words? For us. So that in Him, we might become the righteousness of God. I'm going to read it again. There's so much that happens in that verse. God made Him that had no sin to be sin for who? Us. Why? So that, this is why. In Him, we are the righteousness of God. You want to talk about something I don't completely understand. 
Anyone else? If you got that figured out, you need to write a book and you will retire early, right? So this is, this is what the gospel is. Everybody watch this. We need to remind ourselves of this a lot. Why did Jesus have to come down? Why did he have to die? Why did he have to be resurrected? Did you ever wonder that? Why did, why did he have to go to the cross? Couldn't he have come and been a great example and then gone back up? Okay, so, so this is what I want you to do. We're going to do an act, interactive thing here. Put in your right hand, put your Bible or whatever you got, anything of weight, that's okay. Okay, and I want you to hold it out just like this. And this is what I want you to see. This is you. This represents you. Now, in this book, this is me. This is all my shortcomings and all my sins, past, present, and future. And man, some of y'all are really big. Y'all got, man, golly. Whew. I know. <laughs> and so uh, maybe, maybe this, it's just written a lot bigger. That's what it is. That's what we'll say. Okay, so this is what I want you to see is, is this is us, and here's the reality. There is a weight to sin, right? They, and, the, and the Bible says that we are by nature objects of wrath. So we are born under this. If you don't believe me, you're just lying to yourself, right? So inside here is, is, is every, listen, every bad thing I've ever done, as well as, guys, every good thing I've ever done in my own effort. Did you know that? Even that sin. These things separate us. In, in here is that I am born under these things. I am genetically predisposed to be certain things. That my grandfather and my dad passed things down to me. It is in my blood to have certain generational curses in the McLennan men. Right? And this, hey, is anyone's arm starting to get tired, by the way? Yeah, it is. Okay. So now this is what I want you to do with the other hand. Put this hand up here. This is God here. Okay. So what's the problem here? If we're looking for this purpose, if we're looking for satisfaction, what is keeping us from the Lord? Our nature, not our sin, our nature, not your behavior. It's who, this is who I am. My nature is keeping me. And so this is what that verse says. It says, he made him who had no sin. So this is what God does. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ, okay? Who had no sin, watch. He made him, so watch, God himself comes down. Now do this. God himself has come down as a man, not 50% man, not almost a guy, not God dis, uh, disguised as a man, that God comes down as Jesus, as a man. Real quick, look at your hands. Are they not identical? Yeah, I mean, they're reversed, hopefully. Right? I mean, I, I need you to look at this for a second. This is... This is what Jesus was. He wasn't kind of a man. He was absolutely like me in every way. Do you understand that? The scripture says that he was tempted in every way like I am. And so the only difference between him and us is this right here. Is that by our nature we're objects of wrath. And so this is what that verse says. It says God made him who knew no sin to, do you remember what it says? To become Sin. So watch. This is what it means to become a Christian right here. Everybody watch. You watching? Is that we transfer our nature, our sin nature, onto Jesus Christ so that, now look at my hand, there is no weight underneath, or that I'm underneath. And then it said that Jesus Christ, what did He do with this? He goes to the grave. He pays that penalty and this is what we're celebrating today. He didn't go from the grave and then, um, and then uh, zap his way up to heaven. What did he do? He went to the grave and then what? Rose again. 
And then what he does is he then ascends to heaven. And the rest of that verse says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So now look here. Now do you see the problem is eliminated? Do you all see this? So that now we are united with Christ. Do you all with me on this? So don't get all super weird spiritual on me. Where is Jesus right now? Don't say in my heart. Where is he? He is seated at the right hand of the Father, right? He's not, I know what you mean, he's in my heart, sure, I get it, right, you know, but it says that he's seated at the right hand of the Father, and do you know, according to our scriptures, where are you right now if you're united in him? Where are you? You are seated at the right hand of the Father. So what it means when we are united in Christ, it means that we died on that cross with Jesus. It means that we went to the grave with him. It means that we were resurrected with him, and now we are seated at the right hand of the Father, and now we have a brand new nature so that we are now the righteousness of God in him. And therefore, there's now no condemnation who are in Christ Jesus. Y'all follow me on this? So here's the reason this is so difficult. Is everybody watching me? I don't really understand this. Like, I, how does, how, how can that happen? Like, how do you. Uh, Chris, we were talking this morning, even for a minute, like this idea of, of Jesus going to the cross, of him suffering. Like that's how, that's how Isaiah describes Jesus. He's a man of sorrows. Have you ever thought about this? Like, and, and we talked about this for a minute. Like if you said, hey, Russell, I'm going to nail you to a cross. And I said, well, for who? And you said, for your family. What's my answer? Okay. Right. I'll probably say, hey, is there an option B? But, but bottom line is, for my family, yeah. If you said, hey, I'm going to have you do it for your friends, I'd say, oh, God, they better really appreciate this. You know, like, they better promise me, listen, they better make some promises to me. Like, they better, at the very least, put a bench in the park with my name on it. Like, something has to be done. Like, you guys have better appreciate what I'm doing. Now imagine this, guys. This is insane imagine they said, hey, Russell, I'm going to kill you. For who? For those that hate you. That they hate your guts and they spit in your face and they want nothing to do with you. What do you think? That's what Jesus did. That's the offer. Listen, guys, I don't understand. I don't understand that. But that doesn't mean that we can't choose to believe. Right? Please don't fall in that trap. Once I understand, then I'll believe. You will be chasing, or you'll be on that hamster wheel your whole life. And you'll never go anywhere. Rather saying, Lord, I trust your plan. I trust what you are doing. I, I cannot trust what I see. I cannot trust what I feel. I cannot trust what I hear because those things are changing constantly. And, and that's the call of the gospel is that man put your faith in Jesus and then the wrath of God is completely satisfied in that death of Jesus. How do I know the wrath of God is satisfied? It's because he raised from the grave. That's how we know God's wrath has been completely absorbed is because Jesus defeated death and came back to life. And he's alive today. So, hey, listen... Man, is, is that enough? Like, is that enough? Hold on, there's got to be more, right? Like, there's got to be, hold on, where's the conditions? Hold on, where's the movie clip? Hold on, where's the, 
Is, is this enough? I think it is. If, look at me, if my hands are like this, I think it's enough. But if, if I'm holding on to something and I'm only reaching out with one hand, it's not going to be enough. It's not. It just won't. It won't. Listen, it won't make sense. And I'm here to say it doesn't make sense. Welcome. It doesn't make sense, right? Um, that's all I have to say. Let me pray for us. <clears throat> Father, thank you for your word. Uh, Lord, thank you for sending your only son, your only son, to suffer and to die, not, not just for his friends, not just for his family, Lord, but he sent, you, you sent your only son to suffer and die for those that want nothing to do with you. Nothing. I don't understand. But Lord, we pray for faith, Lord. We pray that our hands would be open and we can say, Lord, even when I do not understand, I can still believe. Lord, give us the faith to believe. Even that's a gift from you. Lord, and I pray that our, our only work is to let go of, of our plans. Our only work is to open our hands. That's it. And then to receive what you have for us. But that is so difficult. That is so hard just to receive this gift because I want to earn it. I want to be... I want to be self-sustained. I, I, I can't stand the idea of, of needing someone else. I just don't like it. But Lord, I pray that you would open our hands and we'd open our hearts and just say, Lord, I receive what you have for me. And that we would find joy in that and that we'd find peace in that. <clears throat> and that we'd be people of, of um, that peace. That we'd be people of your joy. And so... God, this is our prayer. Help us to just receive this, Lord, just to receive that gift that he made, you made him who, who knew no sin to become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. That doesn't make sense, but Lord, we can believe it. So God, thank you that you're here with us. Thank you that you provide so much. Lord, you give us so much more than we, than we deserve. You really do. God, thank you that you're always um, with us. We don't have to pray for you to be with us. So, God, this is our prayer, Lord. We pray that today we would slow down and remember what you've done and who you are and what you're continuing to do. And so this is our prayer, Lord. Amen.